ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Disheltic Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Greetings and salutations. It is a Thursday, and I'm not confused because we're actually doing a Thursday night show, whereas last Thursday, I'm like, am I live? Is this real? What is going on? Yes, yes. Tonight, we are back after taking a week off because, <laughs> excuse me, because Charlie was at Chattacon. Chattacon! How was Chattacon? I've got right here the uh, the official booklet of Chattacon. Nice. Very nice art. There we go. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Chattacon was good. I mean, it's. I didn't know it was 1949. Ha 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 ha. It's the 49th ever Chattacon. That makes much more sense. All right. Anyway, so Chattacon, of course, is the convention that happens up at Chattanooga. I was there. My cousin Thomas came up and helped run the camera. Um, we didn't do any interviews, though we did uh, record quite a few panels. Uh, one of the panels was my own because I actually had an audience for one of the panels. Which panel? Um, ironically enough, so you finish making your indie game and you think you're done. We usually have a pretty good audience for the um, video games. Change for the good? good? Question mark. Yeah, usually we have one on that. Do you not have a good one on this time? Well, around? the problem was that that panel was the first panel of the convention, and it was two out. It set uh, two hours before the actual opening of the convention on Friday, so it was a five o'clock panel on Friday. <laughs> so nobody's at the convention, anyways. There was very few people at the convention, and it ended up yeah. being me, the panelist, I, I think a friend of the panelist, and then the guy who was in charge of all the PR for the convention yeah. just kind of shooting the shit well dude what you gotta do yo and it also was not recorded because uh thomas hadn't gotten up there yet but the um so you finished your game that one had a little bit or a tendency. yes it was uh i would have liked to have have had additional um panelists with me but it was just me and four other people just you and four other people that was uh -huh. it like four panelists or you and four people in the audience? Four, four audience members. Okay. I thought you had like four panelists. I'm like, no, 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 no. I wanted extra panelists so that I could get, you know, a, a more uh, rounded uh, opinion. Yeah. But yeah. so hopefully I steered them right. Um, but, um, you know, as any. If not, angry emails incoming. Exactly. As, <clears throat> as anyone who's gone to a convention could tell you that. It's damn near impossible to go to a convention and not come home with some stuff. Ain't that the truth, yo? So I have, if you give me one second, I will show you all the new books that I have because the vast majority of Chattacon is definitely uh, more of the author scene than anything. Uh, so let's see what we got. First, of, first off, I finally tr uh, tra uh, tracked down... Uh, an author that I've been trying to meet at conventions. His name is John Hartness. Uh, he mm -hmm. has the uh, uh, Quincy Harker Demon Hunter uh, series, which is kind of think if you like Constantine, um, Quincy Harker is for you. Nice. Uh, if you are more of a fan of, um, I, I want to say, I can't remember. Which one this is? Well, there, he's got another series called um, Bubba the Monster Hunter, which is also really awesome. 
and uh, I can't remember. He's got, I mean, he's got so many freaking series, but he is the coolest guy, and he actually went to my alma mater. So that's kind of crazy. Your high school or college? College. He went to Winthrop. Nice. Then I got a book from uh, the author Bob McGuff, who um, was actually my pan my panel partner in the first panel that no one showed up to, and he has a book out there called uh, a series called The Redemption of Howard Marsh. Uh, the first book is called uh, Bringing Home the Rain. And what is the rain? Very good question. It's um, basically uh, the main character, Howard Marsh, is a lot of things, a liar, a thief, or uh, a poor man's wizard. So it's kind of, it's kind of like a Dresden-esque book set in um, Alabama. All right on. Then I have Necrotown by Alexander Nader. Uh, and his books are all based around Knoxville, Tennessee. Yep, Knoxville, Tennessee. And then finally, I have the book "Theft of Fire," which is the first uh, book in the Orbital Space series by um, by Devin Erickson. And this one is. Uh, basically, it, it's it's centered around uh, two main characters. Of course, they hate each other, but they have to work together if they want to get shit done. Mm. So, and are they stealing fire? Mm, I believe fire is probably uh, slaying for something else. Fair enough. Wait, when I go to like bigger conventions where they have like those really big book booths, yeah. like I always like run by them because I feel like. They almost like guilt me. Yeah. Where they're like, hey, you like books? And you're like, or they'll be like, do you read? It's like, yes. It's like, then you must buy one of our books or you're savage. Yes. It basically comes across. I'm always like, no, don't make me feel guilty. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, John Hartness is part of Falstaff uh, Publishing. And him mm -hmm. and two other individuals are, um, they have a Kickstarter going right now. Hmm. Um, let me see if I could get the Kickstarter up here. Um, I've already Kickstarted for it. Uh, and of course, because I don't want to get gypped on any of the books, I decided to go for the, the, the biggest Kickstarter that you can. Does that actually change the ability of you to get the books if it's Kickstarter successfully? So you can, you could kind of like support the group, but, but, uh, aim more towards a specific author. Gotcha. So instead, I'm like, I don't want to play that game. I'll support all the authors, and then I want all that they promise. You want all of the books. You want all of the pages on dead trees to read. Exactly. Uh, so basically, here is, let's see, can I get the, uh, let's see if this will work today. Or if my. You can do it. Oh, my God. <sighs> yeah, of course. I'm going to have to do it the I'm, hard way. I'm starting. I have to type in the entire URL by hand. That'd be awesome. No, what I have to do is I have to actually go to my Twitch page, but I have to mute it first so I could drop it because uh, Streamlabs has decided that even though I am streaming to my Twitch, that I am not logged into my Twitch and I have to log into it in order to type anything. So there is oh, no. the, um, the URL to uh, New Year, New Books, 
It's five new books, uh, three new series by fantasy authors, John Hartness, Patrick Dugan, and uh, uh, Darren Kennedy. Um, and Oh, I see now. Okay, you can fledge each book individually. Yep. That makes sense. So That's fair. Um, so they have 13 days to go. And they are $8,700 of the way to $15,000. Yep. So a bit over halfway. So hopefully they can get that extra push to the end. Exactly. To make it all the way. Exactly. So here's hoping because I'd really like to see all those books. Um, okay. So let's talk about some stuff that happened outside of Chowtokon. Um. And let's start off with the fact that it is now becoming apparent that the Borderlands movie, the highly anticipated Borderlands movie, has basically gone into production hell. Oh no, not hell! So, you know, this this doesn't... It, there apparently has been lots of reshoots uh, and re-edits, and now the, apparently there's even going to be more of them. Um... You know, I quick interruption yeah. before I forget. Yep. One of the books they cover is the album. It's a riff off of yes. Bruce Springsteen's "Born in the USA." Yep. I saw, like, I recognize that because I have it hanging on my wall in my other room. Yes, I was curious to see if you were going to notice that. <laughs> Anyways, you're saying, uh, you know, we're talking about Borderlands, the movies and movie and. We, I was, I personally was kind of hoping that we would have see, have this thing basically almost in the theater by now. But apparently, there's just been a ton of uh, issues, and there's been the studio's faith in this movie actually being a success. Apparently, is starting to waver. Yikes! And um, I mean, I want to see it. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like production and doing reshoots way after the fact changing of directors it's just been a giant clusterfuck yes in every imaginable way it's like it's been filmed it was in post-production which is usually a good sign um it had a it has a great cast attached to it well i'm still not convinced by kevin hart but we'll see well, yeah, Kevin Hart is rolling was is always going to be a question unless they do, um, the film basically the filming style of all the Rocky movies because Sylvester Stallone is short as shit, but it made him look like a giant. Mm. Also, I just can't see Kevin Hart being that buff. Yeah, it's more so the role of you know big buff dude who's like serious. Actually, I mean. Rollins, he's not like Claptrap. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or is, that's what he's known for, is being a Claptrap, basically, in his roles. Yeah. Someday, maybe we'll see it and find out who actually knows. I don't know. Uh, the way that things have been going right now, I would not be surprised if... I mean, I, it would really hurt, but it might get shelved. But they've I also do. put it... I mean, this basically... When this thing was first announced, there was already talk of like a franchise, a Borderlands movie franchise. And now of course, yeah. we'll be lucky to see one. 
the BCU, the Borderlands Cinematic Universe. Because um, Gearbox actually made its own like media company to to help do this. Again, I think this would be another one where it could be a fantastic anime. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I mean, most video games for that matter, like are kind of the perfect median to just flip over straight into a um, anime. And like, I mean, yes, Borderlands is goofy, has great action, but it also actually has a real story and like lots of side things going on and lots of things you can do with the story and the Vault Hunters and obviously the um, Lilith being whoever she is, depending on which episode you're playing. So like, there's a lot you can do. Right. Right. So I hope so. Cause I mean, Borderlands is one of my fondest series I've played as far as video games. Well, cause all you, it's a lot of massacre and killing just exactly yeah, what Zelius ordered. It's great. It's great gunplay. And like the actual humor and everything is actually fun in it too. Right. Well, yeah, like it is entertaining. Yes, I agree. So, all right. So Borderlands, the movie, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, we've been talking about this since 2021. We're now in 2024. And it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. I wonder if there's like, let's see here. I'm seeing if there's like, is there odds? That is it going like this Vegas have odds mm-hmm. that is it ever going to be released? I'm just curious. Like I want to see like I want to bet at Caesar's Palace on this. A prop bet. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for a prop bet. Mm. Clearly, I know a lot about like gambling outside of playing poker. Obviously. Well, anyways, mm-hmm. while you're looking at that, I, actually, funny side note, uh, poker. Speaking of poker, that's how uh, John Hartness really got into writing was that he wrote for uh, uh, like some professional poker websites. Huh. And then he got fired from it and decided, you know what? I'm going to write myself a book. And then as soon as he wrote that book, everyone's going, okay, so what's the sequel? And he goes, I wasn't planning on a sequel, but okie dokie. I guess it's going to happen now. And now he has like 40 books. All right, so uh, another story broke, and it it revolves around the Overwatch League. Uh, It seems that uh, there is a... um, By the way, sorry. According to IMDb, the new release date Mm -hmm. is August 9th, 2024. Well, here's hoping. (laughs) Who knows what that's going to happen. All right, so um, there is a podcast out there called Uncoachable. And Uncoachable basically has a bunch of hosts that are ex um, uh, Overwatch League coaches, and they're they were um, venting some frustrations, and they believe that uh, most of the the I guess the souring of how things went down was really on the shoulders of the players because the players had Blizzard. Uh, ironic. I don't know what happened. Maybe Activision was looking the other way. Um, 
Blair's like, holy shit, we should probably, we're, we need to actually listen to these people. And so they opened up a channel for feedback from the professional gamers. And the professional gamers basically shat all over it and screwed up the opportunities they had. Uh, basically uh, clogging the, the channel with absolute shit or things to only benefit them. And of course, uh, at you know, once you do that enough, uh, that channel completely went silent because the developers were like, you know what, if you're not going to take this seriously, we don't give, you know, you don't want to give a shit, we don't give a shit. And that's where the tagline, and this is why we can't have nice things comes from. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is kind of ironic that not just Borderlands, but online PvP games in general are known for being extremely toxic. Um, and people being in game, not very necessarily being very pleasant to play with. Uh, and here you have a case in point of players, even outside of the game, where I'm guessing there's not even an enemy, they knew who the actual person comes yeah. to was, are still being dicks. Um, I mean, I'm guessing that in their minds, they think they're hot shit, you know, like we're the pros, we can kind of do whatever we want. Um, but in this case, I totally get why Blizzard would shut that down. Because if you're trying to have an earnest discussion and open up the channel's communication, um, and it's just going to be non-constructive criticism and basically people just being asswipes, then, yeah, I'm going to shut that shit down. <laughs> like, yeah, I totally get that. And the, the funny thing is, like, we, we all know that Blizzard screwed the pooch royally with over the first Overwatch. Um, not because every other game out there was giving you new maps and new characters and new skins and new weapon skins and, you know, new exciting things, uh, temporary modes, all that stuff. And Overwatch is like, here are your guys. I wouldn't say they screwed the pooch with Overwatch One. It was Overwatch Two that they screwed the pooch. With. Oh no! I but, think I think that that they that um oh they absolutely screwed the pooch with Overwatch Two. I'm just saying that the reason why they had to even make an Overwatch Two was because they just didn't do anything with Overwatch One. Well, they didn't do anything because they're in the process of making Overwatch Two, which they changed what it was supposed to be. Yeah, that from a PvE-centric game with PvP elements to, oh, it's just PvP v2 with some packed on PvE elements. Um, even so, I'll say for as much as crap as we give it, it's still one of the most played and watched games on Twitch. So it's like, there is a bit of a echo chamber there where those who are kind of in the gaming community and talk about it, like to lambast Overwatch, and I think rightfully so. But from a, you know, I would say more casual gamer experience, people still play the hell out of it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, and I'm guessing, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but with all the microtransactions and um, battle passes, if I was a Diablo Immortal showed us anything, it's that from a fiscal perspective, it works mm -hmm. to do what Blizzard did. Um, I'd argue from a game perspective, it's worse, but if it makes the big companies more money, we all know who's going to win that. Right. Right. 
the majority of the time. There's still a few holdouts, but by and large, that's what's going to lead to the production direction of the game, especially if you're big publishers and developers. Yep. Speaking of big publishers and developers, uh, Zelius, why don't you tell us about uh, how Ubisoft thinks that we need to uh, uh, own up to the fact that we don't own the games. No, I mean, the Ubisoft to do is the CEO is basically talking on a panel about it. And, you know, the idea of game ownership and disc. Um, and that's all you know, it's kind of like, you know, on when it comes to physical media like DVDs and CDs and et cetera, yep. by and large, I would actually agree with him on this, that um, people have largely given to streaming where they don't buy physical discs. Right. And I mean, I'll say for myself, when it comes to video games, like I haven't bought a physical game since basically like Civ Five for the Nintendo Switch. That's probably the last cartridge game I bought. And now it's because it was a cartridge game that like, oh, I can just buy this. Um, I mean, there's irony here because one of the reasons I bought the disc version of the PS5 mm -hmm. was because of my mom, like, oh, you know, kind of the old GameStop method where I can go buy used games for cheap and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But what's also happened is, at least for me, yes, that's true. Like I could still, if I wanted to buy used video games, but there's the cost mm -hmm. of sorts of still going out to the store, searching media, whatever it is. Okay. Maybe by discount, but I also know at some point, that game's also going to be on sale on the PS5. Right. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like back in the day with the physical disc, you didn't have that. Like if you went to GameStop and you saw, I'm just making up Final Fantasy VII's on sale in the bin for $10. Yeah. Like you're not like, oh, it's going to go on sale online anyways in like a year anyways. It's whereas now, like at least for me personally, like that's in the back of my mind, like, well, it's going to go on sale anyways, like online. Right. So to me, like that immediacy to having physical access. And like, I think part of it for me is also the death of the mall culture. Like, I mean, think about it. we used to go to malls and you'd stop by EB games and media play in these different stores and you find like random shit on sale. Right. I don't know about you, but I don't know when the last time I did that is. It's been a very long time that I've actually been in a physical store. My, it, I'm trying to think of the last, physical copy of a game I I bought, and I want to say that it was probably Hyrule Ro Warriors for the Switch. Hmm. Um, Solid choice. Um, so I think it's... And we've talked about this on the show in the past, right. where, I mean, if you look at the, you know, shrink-wrapped EULA, you haven't really owned shit in a long time. Since uh, uh, the first Windows. Yeah, I mean, even, like, you own a disc, but... Technically, you don't own it. You have the copyright permission to play it, yep. which even then comes with um, restrictions on how you're supposed. Like you're not supposed to play it for like in a classroom, for instance. Actually, a good, a good example, mm -hmm. um, or for like a large audience. So even then, even though you own the disc, you don't actually own the way in which it's allowed to be played. So that's that's been a thing forever. Um, and I mean, I know it's easy to shit on the Ubisoft. CEO, like, haha, look at us, but you didn't say anything incorrect, or I would argue anything controversial. Um, 
and the reality is, is the, yeah. Um, so what Sam said was when Ubisoft says stuff like that, it makes you want to go buy the nefarious outlets like CD keys, Penguin, Mega Cheap. Um, the one sketchy thing on those is a lot of times they're also using like stolen credit cards to also get those keys. So I get it, but at the same time, it's also, there is definitely very much a very, there is definitely a nefarious black market element to those as far as where, how are they getting those? Because they're real keys, but how are they getting those keys? Um, I think as a valid concern by all parties. Well, and I, I, I agree. I think that we, we are now in, you know, I, as, as we've noticed, um, you know, as just like for steam, there are, it doesn't happen very often, but there's a couple times that, that the games have been delisted. And yeah. so you just lose that ability. Um, I, I think the, the, the thing that kind of bugged me about what Ubisoft's guy was saying, it kind of made it sound more like you're, it's a subscription. Um, um, no, I agree. And I think that in the end, I think that's where he's going or wants to go. And that's where all of the big publishers want to go. Did you hear that um, uh, the, the studio behind Baldur's Gate 3 goes, yeah, we're never going to do that. I did see that. And thank you. Like when I was mentioning earlier about like going to microtransactions mm -hmm. and um, battle pass and all that stuff. Yeah. There are always going to be the exceptions, thankfully, of those. Um, I would say CD Projekt Reiki is currently still another good example. Yep. Um, where they offer DLCs, but they're actually content worth adding to the experience of the game. Yes. It's not like your old analogy. It's not like they released the game and the puzzle piece was already missing. Um, it's at least intentionally. I mean, some people might say that was Cyberpunk 2077, but they, that was not the intention when it came out. Right. Uh, I'll give them that much. So yes, I would say there's still some publishers out there who, and developers who want to, I guess you could say the old school way of releasing a game where you actually get a real game. And if it's a good game, people will buy it. Um, is it from software who does the Elden Ring? Am I thinking of the right company? I think so. Like I would say, you know, the Souls games, all of those, like that's another company I think is a great example where they do that. But what do these all have in common? They release really good, mostly single player experience. Yeah, Elden Ring is from software. Yeah. But again, these are all great single player games. Right. Um, I know we've talked about in the past the single player dead, and I think unequivocally, no. Like, granted, I, when I say that, the Ubisofts and EAs want them to be dead. Don't get, like they don't like them because they they absolutely want you to be in the subscription service, hundred yeah. percent. They want to be doing the battle passes and the content packs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because it lines their pockets much better. But there will always be a space for quality non-predatory single-player games. Right. But I think <clears throat> I think that Ubisoft was trying to take a step forward and basically say, it's, when you buy a game from us, be it single-player, multiplayer, whatever, you're basically paying... You It, it already has a, a TBA of... Uh, to be announced, de de death. Um, where mm -hmm. as soon as we're done with it, you're done with it. 
And I, um, that's yeah. that scares the crap out of me. You know, I'm, yes, I have gone strictly digital. I don't have. I don't. I'm not. I'm not buying physical copies of games now. But at the same time, there are some games that aren't that have not been updated in a long time. But I still could play them. And the way that the guy, the Ubisoft guy, came off was, yeah, when we're when we think that this game is not going to go anywhere, we're removing it, and so you lose that uh, the you know the ability to to continue to play it ever forth. I do think if politicians actually did their damn job, I 100% believe that there should be a law that basically if you purchase a game, yeah, a company should not be able to revoke your privilege to play. Now, if your system, like let's just say 20 years from now, is compatible with it, they're under no obligation to update to make it compatible. Right. Like, as I get, but if you're able to download it and you have a, I don't know, in Windows 10 box, because that you need an old box instead of DOS box, um, you should be able to download and play it. And they should not be able to basically revoke your privilege or ability to play that game. Um, that should not be allowed. I, I've got some 486 games. Oh, jeez. Uh, on uh, SX or DX. Well, yeah, no, man. I'm not telling you. Um, and I know that if I try to, um, if I try to play them, the computer would, uh, the game would just implode because it wouldn't be able to handle it. Uh, Stam says, what if you were caught hacking, then revoke? If you're caught hacking, okay, so, hmm. See, that's, in my opinion, that's too vague because what you, it's, it would be, open to interpret very open to interpretation where you would have some people who maybe they they tweak one thing in the code to help i don't know uh optimize uh their gaming experience doesn't really do anything it just kind of like switches zero and one to make it look pretty okay so cheating in battlefield one so hacking for cheating purposes yes revoke revoke their access i mean you know it's it's basically the equivalent of a ban hammer yeah for multiplayer games i'm fine with that like if you cheat in multiplayer game yeah i totally get that okay now now of course you know you're you've opened up this can here zealous and we've we've discussed this before but let's say yes if if you're if you're hacking or or modding to get a competitive advantage in an, uh, a multiplayer game absolutely but what if you're doing it to a single player game where you're the only one whose experience is being affected? I mean, I think we would argue, at least I would, is that if it's a single player game, you're being the only one affected, then have at it. Yeah. It's like, yes. Now, I think what you're leading with this is I'm sure publishers would be able to say that, oh, no, we can revoke it. Because if you can also do, you know, take it a step further. If you can do mods and add in really cool like skins mm -hmm. to your characters, mm -hmm. well, what do publishers love to sell and make tons of money off mm -hmm. of? Mm -hmm. Skins. Um, so yes, a publisher would love to be able to say, nope, can't touch it at all. It can be the authentic game experience only. Well, and 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 just to play devil's advocate here, the the one of the reasons why, you know, uh you should never mod or or hack your own single player game is that now you've basically created an unstable build that if it breaks the game you know 
it it's it's your own damn fault. And but there's gonna be people out going, but 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 the rest of the game should just work just fine. If you put random elements into something that's being pushed out, um, you know, I ju- I don't know if I would ban you, but I definitely like I don't know, uh, put a red flag on you or something. You got a red flag person? Yeah, red flag of justice. Um. But yeah, I, you know, that, that personally is a, is a slippery slope, but yeah, by all means, if you're, if you're doing something, you're hacking and make and doing competitive advantage, then I think that, uh, they can revoke your access. I think most people agree with that unless you're the one cheating. Yeah. But, but, but I want to be good at the game. Get good, bro. Yeah, no. Negative ghostwriter. But yeah. Okay. Uh let's pause real quick for to uh thank those individuals who make Ultra Confusion the the amazing Ultra Confusion that you love and adore. So uh let us give you the friends of the show. And to start off, as always, ladies and gentlemen, we have the Indie Cluster. The Indie Cluster is an organization of independent game developers that want to gain exposure by being involved in the community. They collectively journey to po- popular conferences as a traveling booth to help gain attention for their games. They make partnerships with local communities to bring games to the mainstream mindset. They highlight local, unusual, and rare concepts to challenge the paradigm of the common. They also host events to teach kids and minority groups about game development, hopefully about game development to hopefully one day enter the industry themselves. For more information, go to IndieCluster.com. The next shout-out we got to give is to Noodle Boy Media. Founded in 2015 by Andrew Tran, Noodle Boy Media, previously White Kid 47 Media, it's your choice for professional photo shoots panel record, and panel recordings at conventions. They pride themselves on providing a high level of professionalism, hot, top-notch experiences, and quality services. If you want more information and to view their full list of services, Check out Facebook.com slash Media. What's up, Nakamoto? We need to yell at Noodleboy. He hasn't updated the Facebook on there since January 3rd. I, I will I will beat him up for you later. Please do. Uh, Maybe you should go up to MacFest and join him and beat him up there. there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this guy was actually at my place. So if you're in the greater Atlanta area, this guy can work magic. And that, of course, is Hirokai Practic. Hirokai Practic unique healthcare practice set up by Ryan Moore, the company's focus to elevate a Patients experience of freedom, creative expression, and joy. They believe that everyone can be a hero and has incredible heroic potential inside themselves waiting to be unleashed. Hero Chiropractic focuses on mobile chiropractic care in the greater Lanner area. They are committed to healing clients by creating a plan of action uniquely suited for each person. They make that plan of action as convenient and affordable as possible and most importantly suited to your individual needs. For more information, go to herochiropractic.com. The next shout out we got to give is to the music maestro himself, the gentleman who helped save us from a compar- uh, apparent 
copyright strike when we had non-copyrighted music, but whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, Crosspad Creative. Need a new logo or want to work on a full branding and content strategy? Or maybe you need music or audio for your content. Crosspad Creative offers a whole host of solutions for individuals and small businesses. Just email Josh at crosspadcreative at gmail.com and see what he can do for you. And finally, we got to give a shout out to the OG, the original uh, patron of Ultra Confusion. That, of course, is Agile Axiom. By day, Axe leads both the development team and system administration team working with satellites at NASA's Goddard campus. But while not in meetings and many times during, he is the Agile Evangelist Agile Axe, championing the philosophy of Agile and trying to make the world a better place for software developers, testers, system admins, and software projects the world over. Decades of experience in software development and leading agile teams are brought to bear against evil processes, inefficient work, and bad habits. For more information, go to agileaxiom.com. All right. Real quick. Shout out to Bell and Brew because we do this every single week. Bell and Brew is a phenomenal video game nerdy bar here in Atlanta, Georgia. It's, I guess, properly in Sandy Springs. Um, but they also have their new location, I believe it's now open in the battery in Cobb County. Oh. So if you want to check out that area, uh, by all means go over there as well. But, uh, yes, battle and brew an amazing place for me and you. Ha, see, I made it rhyme. <laughs> okay. Now I'm sure that all you individuals out there who want to know how do I become a friend of the show? Well, I will tell you right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Ultra Confusion survives with the love of support of fans like you, and so we have a Patreon page. Patreon lets you, the lo fans, lovers, haters, demigods, intermental beings, gods, demons, aliens, swamp things, vampires, mummies, and so much more to become active participants of the work we love through a monthly membership. This gives you access to, to exclusive content, community, and insight into our creative process. In exchange, we gain a bit more freedom to do our best work and the stability to we. We need to build an even stronger creative career. We currently have two, what, two tiers. We have the $1 tier, that's $1 a month or $12 a year. And what that gets you is early access to all of our playthroughs as well as the ability per to participate in patron-only posts uh, for Alter Confusion. If you're feeling really frisky, you can always go up to the $5 a month, that's $5 a month or $60 a year. Not only do you get everything at the $1, um, tier, but you also gain your name or organization added to the friends of the show section of every single Thursday night hangout. So if you want to become a patron of Altered Confusion, go to Patreon. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Altered Confusion today. And oh, by the way, uh, one of the longtime fans of Altered Confusion, uh, Spooky Dudes Podcast, uh, ran into them at uh, Chattacon. They were doing a couple panels, and of course, they are also helping i think they're actually i think they might have co-founded uh frankencon which is happening um i want to say in may i could be wrong nice and apparently battle and brew at the battery in cobb county is not totally open but apparently they have an open beta access weekend Ooh, fancy intriguing very well there you go well anyways if you're if it's not a monday Go to Bell and Brew. Have fun. You could either get it, you know, bring a board game, play, drink a bunch of fancy, really cool drinks or um, cool food. Oh, also, Chattacon did that that kind of uh, uh, food theme 
and drink theme while we're there. Yeah, food and drink? That's crazy No, talk. it's like, you know, um, one of the drinks was uh, the select, the, the sorting hat drink, where ah. the bartender decides which house you go into, and then you get a <laughs> colored drink to what forever, what, for whatever house yeah. you're going to. I did not trust that bartender. He he did not give off the vibes of knowing how to sort people correctly, so I refused the drink. Did he not look like Dumbledore? No, he did not. Well, that's disappointing. Yes. Sorry, Zealus. Sorry for, for letting you down. Or for him. I mean, you should have at least like a guy in cape and beard or something. You would think, but no. Mm. No. But... Hey, hey, here's here's a game that seems to be around forever, and now there's going to be a third one. It's Plants and Zomb- Ver- Plants vs. Zombies 3 has been announced. And there's going to be early access to the game in a specific uh, regions, which I, you know, I'm going to... Uh, first of all, the full name of the game is going to be Plants vs. Zombies 3. Welcome to Zomberbia. It is a new mobile game. It will, like I said, will have a soft launch in in certain countries. I wonder if they actually list what certain countries they have there. You would think. I remember playing the oh, here we go. first Plants for many years January ago. January 17th, the game has been soft launched in uh, uh, the UK, Netherlands, Australia, Philippines, and the Republic of Ireland. Well... Hmm. Uh, is it not available in the U.S.? That would seem really weird for it not to be available in the U.S. I'm just saying. Maybe we're just not cool this time, man. Oh, come on, man. I don't know if I'm playing, but it did remind me, I did watch both this week, Zombieland 1 and 2, which I thoroughly enjoy those movies. They are fun. Yes. They're fun. Now, uh, probably more than I should. Uh, Zelius was talking about mods earlier. We're going to, uh, um, we do want to. I know this is a little bit old now. It was kind of announced back uh, eight days ago, and that is that uh, Valve has had to take uh, action against Team Fortress and and Portal fan projects. Really, it was the Portal fan project, but because that involves Disney, but um, Nintendo. You know, they they had to go after both. Yeah, the Nintendo thing's not surprising because we know how um, aggressive Nintendo is with anything remotely related to their IPs. Or like a giant, no, thou shalt not enter. Yeah, uh, the, the, the main uh, Team Fortress one was Team Fortress Source 2, which was basically um, a fan project to bring Team Fortress 2 to like the, the nowadays game engines to make it look pretty. Uh, but, uh, they were, they got issued a DMCA, uh, takedown. And so that is Kaputsk. No more. Yeah. No moss. No moss. Yes. So, um, of course I just closed <laughs> while switching through tabs. I accidentally hit the, uh, the X tab instead of switch to it. So give me one second. Let me get this story up unless Zelius has any thoughts or subjects he wants to discuss um 
Okay, so there's a game I've been playing a lot of, a ARPG over the years mm -hmm. called Last Epoch or mm -hmm. Epoch. And they're coming out, it's February 12th or 16th is the release. And like, there's this large online argument right now over the release and are the servers going to hold up? And I'm like, have you guys ever played, and um, this is like not to you, but just like in general, any game in my experience that basically on launch, because this is going from early access to like 1.0 release, and they've been doing a lot of publicity, they're doing all these Twitch like stream collaboration things, mm -hmm. but inevitably games, and this isn't a bash on the developers, but when the game goes from like any stage to the next where they're expecting a huge influx, their servers just shit themselves. It's like inevitable. It's gonna be like, do you hate the devs, man? Do you not think they're capable? I'm like, nope. It's just I've been gaming for many, many years, and it's just it's what happens. A game comes out, it's online, you just can't like predict the amount of influx of players are gonna get. And I know like all the cloud providers say there's like a magic scale button, but it's not quite as literally as simple as just pressing scale uh, as much as we wish it were. And it's what happens. And I'll log in two weeks later and it'll be fixed by then, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, look, case of point is the when that huge SimCity release many years ago where apparently they just didn't understand that people wanted to play SimCity and they crashed it. And then there was the whole debacle of people losing their cities because their cities were tied to servers. Well, you have to don't look any further recently than Final Fantasy XIV's Endwalker. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the it was the fourth or fifth expansion. Didn't they stop the game? Yes, and like the queue would literally be for hours. And like so, when Endwalker came out, people realized how awesome it was. It broke. The queues. It wasn't that there was a queue of like 2,000 people. It just broke and you couldn't even access the game. And then they got like ridiculous queues and they stopped sales. So this is obviously a big AAA developer, publisher in the Square, former Square Enix, who presumably knows what they're doing with online games. So it's not like a criticism of the developers. It's just this is what happens with online games. It's the good and bad of online games is when you have online games and if something is as fantastic as we hope it is and everyone comes and flocks to it server break um i do um before i forget i do want to point out something um this is for all those individuals out there who love their single single player games and that is mm -hmm. that there is a single player game that has dethroned uh call of duty modern warfare 3 oh with their yes. sales record. And that, of course, is Hogwarts Legacy. Indeed. Uh, which was a phenomenal game. Uh, I love the crap out of it. I played probably more than I should have. But I, actually, no, I don't. I think that I played just the right amount. Though I am interested in the DLC. And I'm, I'm, yes. I might come back. There's, there's very few games to me that catch like a magical moment, right? There might be like, oh, that was cool or that was fun. But just a moment where like, I just sit there smiling. Yeah. For me, that first time in Hogwarts, when like you get your broomstick and you're flying over and you have that landscape where you see like, you know, all of the landscape, you turn around and you see like in the dark and you see like 
Hogwarts lit yep. up. I just sat there. It's like, this is fucking awesome. It's very pretty. Like, it gave it very much. It just gave it gave the feels. Yes, agreed. It did. It that's it's hard to do that in video games, especially I think for when you've seen. I think as you and I have a lot of video games over the years. Yep. Um, that actually what honestly burns me out of a lot of games mm -hmm. is I'll start a game and like an hour in, I'm like, I know I played this game, but I've played this game before. Yeah, yeah, yes. I there's yeah too many games to name that fall under that category. Yeah. So and so I was I was definitely that was my. I would say my most enjoyable game of 2023, personally. I don't know if that means best mm -hmm. necessarily, but just enjoyable to play. So there is, uh, there's been some news coming around that's basically said that all of the Netflix Marvel movie, Marvel shows are canon. Um, and unfortunately, uh, one of the shows that was not on Netflix, it was on Disney Plus, but is in the MCU. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to get a second season. That, of course, is She-Hulk, which I actually enjoyed. Mm -hmm. I think it was kind of silly, kind of stupid, but I I enjoyed um, She-Hulk, the lawyer. I made it through all of the, um, oh my gosh, Daredevils, mm -hmm. the Jessica Joneses, yep. and the Defenders. Yep. I did not watch any of Luke Cage or... Uh, what about Punisher? I did not watch Punisher. I could not watch Iron Fist. I tried once. No, Iron Fist, I had no interest in. I am Iron Fist. Great. That's awesome. Next episode. I am Iron Fist. Okay, seriously? We got it. I'm Iron Fist. It's like, I. it's literally like the... It was like a human trying to be Groot. It's literally like, everybody's like, I'm Iron Fist. I'm like, oh, shut the fuck up, dude. I'm very curious if the Daredevil coming back to D plus mm -hmm. will be as R-rated as the Netflix OG I, version. So after showing what Echo is, which is in the, the Daredevil universe, and it being yeah. R, I would not be surprised. I haven't seen it. Have you watched Echo? I haven't seen I, it. I, I saw I've seen trailers and I've I've seen like bits of pieces. I haven't actually sat down to watch an entire episode, but it's dark. And it is hmm. Uh, they, the Echo was introduced in the Hawkeye um, TV show on Disney okay. Plus, and I was like, okay, well, she she is one badass mofo, and apparently she's like breaking legs and arms in this show. So, but yeah, apparently it's triggering like a bunch of right wingers too. Whatever. Because she's disabled and she's the lead of the show and that shouldn't be a thing. Yes, she's deaf. But somehow they didn't say the same thing about Matt Murdock. Imagine that. Strange. Yes, a white Cauca uh, white Caucasian and white are the same thing, moron. Um, a white <laughs> blind man who is a vigilante by night who beats the shit out of people. They have no problem with that. Mm. Mm. I think we can leave it at that. Yeah. Mm. So strange. Mm. Mm. So weird. Mm. Okay, um, so I do want to, um, I kind of want to circle back and say, ladies and gentlemen, if you can, uh, next year, early January, in the city of Chattanooga, Tennessee, there is a convention called Chattacon. I highly recommend that you check it out. It's chattacon.org is the website. 
Uh, if you buy your, if you pre-buy your badges now, I believe it's at a much lower discount. Uh, day of is uh, fifty bucks uh, for the three-day pass, <clears throat> and uh, Ultra Confusion will be back for another one. I'm just telling you that right now. We'll be at, back at Chattacon in some shape or form. So it's going up to sixty dollars next yeah. year, but buying it now is thirty dollars. So, see, get it now. And don't make the mistake I did. Don't buy a uh, a pass and then also under the same name uh, apply for panels because panelists uh, get in for free and they um, thought that they had a typo and they just removed one of the instances. Wait, you mean is it like one of those, you know, if you do three panels, we're not, no, 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 not that one. We talked about, we, uh, me and the spooky dudes definitely talked about the convention that Zelius is hinting at. Uh, if you want to know more about that, we could tell you offline because I don't need to start another flame war with them. But it was a good convention. It was, but the very power hungry SOBs running the damn thing. Uh, but like I said, uh, chatacon.org, check it out. Also, another shout out for all the authors that I ran into. Uh, I'm going to grab the books one more time to flash them up on screen. So give me like two seconds. Okay. So check out John Hartness. Uh, definitely uh, Quincy Harker is a phenomenal series. I've I've I own a bunch of them on uh in ebook form, but I I was like, well shit, I've got the real myth, the man, the legend in front of me. I'm gonna get a, a hard copy of at least the first you one. You got them all signed, right? Huh? You got them all signed? Yeah, I get. Good, good. Uh, just make it sure, just make it sure. Uh Devin Erickson's Theft of Fire. Uh apparently he is in talks for an audiobook with a very well-known uh, person, but he can't reveal it until he works out all the details. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Bob McGuff and uh, bringing, bringing Home the Rain, The Redemption of Howard Marsh, book one, which is more of a Harry Dresden-style book. And then Necrotown uh, by Alexander Nader, uh, a Mountain City Chronicle, uh, which is based in Knoxville, Tennessee. Every time you talk about um, Quincy Harker and the Demon mm -hmm. Hunter, it makes me, my mind goes to um, Witch Hunter, a Warhammer um, Black Library book <laughs> or Omnibus, which was a great series. Yeah. Every time you say that, I'm like, Witch Hunter. Wait, no, wrong series. Um and once again, I know I thanked everyone at the beginning of the year, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, for everyone who did uh, end up donating to uh, Alter Confusion's Extra Life um, event this past year, I thank you. We, I believe we surpassed $500. Um, it was, nice. I believe it was the highest we've ever raised. So thank you again. And the uh, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta really thanks you. So what was your favorite part, and don't be vague, what was your favorite thing about or at Chattacon or experience at Chattacon this year? So I would, you know, Chattacon is, in, to me, is the definition of a buddy convention. Literally anyone, the guest of honor, all the way to first-time attendees, can sit down and have a conversation. 
which is probably one of my favorite things in the world because it's it's cool um, to be able to do that. But if I had to, ooh, that's so hard. I don't know. Actually, getting to talk to John Hartness was a lot of fun because um, he is he is an individual who uh, doesn't really give a shit uh, what you think. He's like, I'm fat. I'm slow. I don't care. He's like, but I write good books. No, okay. I, I, um, I said this during the, uh, so you finished making your video. Uh, so you finished making your indie project. You think you're done. That's something that John Hartness said in an uh, earlier panel was like, look, in order to succeed in this world of being an author, whatever you want to be, you have to get extremely lucky. It's all about luck. Mm. But here's, here's the secret. The harder you work, the luckier you're going to become. It's not going oh. to just magically happen to you. You have to put in the blood, sweat, and tears. Which I'm like, yes, damn it, yes. And also, uh, one of the other authors um, who's part of that Kickstarter, I was talking to him, and I was like, you know, I've I've personally written a couple things, but the problem is that I can't, I cannot stand reading over my own stuff. I will just tear it apart. And he came up with a very good solution. So if there's anyone out there who perhaps is a little gun shy of after you've written stuff of editing yourself to try to kind of like separate you, the author from you, the editor, use a screen reader, have the mm. computer read it back to you so that mm. you can hear it. Uh, so that, you know, it's, it's a third party who's, who's presenting the material. I'm like, oh shit, that might actually work. <laughs> you can get one of your kids to read it out loud to you. Uh, my kids make them read it. My kids. Well, the problem is, my kids only read graphic novels right now. So, and all mine are just text only. So that's not going to work. Wait, it's not a um, Hawk and Steve like graphic novel. No. That's disappointing. No, I know Zelius has always been. Zealies will continue, I guess, to his dying breath to get the um, Delta Confusion webcomic back. It is not. Uh, it is not in that format. Um, it is my. It's going to be my dying wish. I, I'm going to be on my deathbed look, before look, you. Here's, like, here's, oh, here's my. I will. I will make a promise. I'll make you a promise. Uh, for 2024, I will at least create um, a book that is a comp that. Comp that basically holds all of all of the uh, the web comics. Nice. Um, by the end of the year, because I've I've been nice. thinking about that, and I, I've I kind of have the f first two hundred web comics already kind of laid out. Um, but I, how many comics did you have in the end? It, like the, enough. So place? in all the ultra the Hawk and Steve uh, proper, there are I believe four hundred episodes at least and then there are the more abstract weird comics which i think i have a hundred of those hmm. so there's basically 500 charlie created web comics out there floating in the the internet ether somewhere somewhere out there over the rainbow you know insert other location here It'll eventually come about. Also, ladies and gentlemen, if you're interested, we do we did add uh, some new merchandise at the beginning of the year to the Alter Confusion uh, web store, which of course is alterconfusion.tv slash merch. 
Um, you can have a fancy hat like this or a sticker like, hold on, let me grab my laptop. Let's see here if I can get the, there we go. The Ultimate Confusion sticker, just like this. Or you could get um, flip-flops, which was my son's contribution. Or the um, the notebook, which I'm surprised I haven't bought that for myself yet because Charlie needs a notebook. You always have to doodle something. Exactly. I did make another, oh shit, I don't have it with me right now, but I did do a brain doodle or create a brain doodle at um, Chattacon, which I'll post it on social media soon uh is that how like you know you went to a convention is you did more I brain did, doodles i only did one unfortunately uh and it was i did the brain doodle as i was waiting for people to actually show up to uh video game shoot for the good question mark so that just ended up being like i said just to kind of shoot the shit uh chit chat with a couple of people and we ended up talking about starfield and cyberpunk uh 2077 um, and a couple other. I mean, that games. sounds like a perfect Chattacon setup. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I highly recommend to check out Chattacon. Check out Frank and Con. Let me get the actual information for Frank, Frank and Con. Give me one second. I'm guessing that's Frank and Con. Okay, FrankCon 2024 is happening. May 10th. May 10th and 11th. Damn it. May 10th through 11th, 2024, at the Hilton Knoxville Airport. Um, it, it is, you know, if you like your, your monster stuff, that's where you need to go. I'm still trying to get them to invite Ultra Confusion. Uh, I have to keep reminding them that there are such, there are such things as horror video games. Uh, and I do play them, uh, so it's like it's not like it's completely out of my wheelhouse. And I will be willing to embarrass myself and talk about how I feel. Uh, I I'm still scared to death of the original Blair Witch Project, which I have never actually seen. I watched it just as I was about to go off to uh, Asheville, North Carolina, to go to a running camp. And I swear to God, vast majority of those scenes, because the running camp was basically in the woods. You're running on mm. uh, wooded trails in Asheville, North Carolina, because that's what they've got around there, because it's for cross country. So yeah, that that made me run a little bit faster. That's good for you. Yeah, absolutely. Apparently, there's going to be clowns there, so I'm not going. Oh, for the love of God. No, one of the actual get like on our guest is Mr. Unhappy, and he looks like a sketchy version of somebody from the insane clown posse. Nice, I think. Or not. I don't know. Open interpretation. I do not approve. I do not approve. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, funny uh, one more funny story from uh Chatacon for you. And that is that when I did the um to you finish making your indie project, do you think you're done? Um, I, I was just trying to wrap up the, uh, the panel and I, I kept trying to do the wrap up for the Thursday night hangout. <laughs> I kept Very telling nice. them thanks for tuning in. I'm like, no, damn it. You're here. You're actually here. But that being said, ladies and gentlemen, 
I believe we've reached the end of our show. So I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to the Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. For myself, Charlie, and Zelia, it's been a pleasure to get ready to come our heads, our mouths, of course, our hearts. We'll be back next Thursday for another Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. And remember, kids, keep on gaming in the free world. Under the belt, brother. And so-